For the next three weeks, you are going to be hearing about the core identity markers here at ECC of Lafayette. This past season of ministry has been a unique one and a challenging one as we continue to navigate a global pandemic. We continue to navigate political divisions and racial tensions, a lead pastor's sabbatical and my upcoming job transition. However, through it all, God has been faithful to us. The pastors, staff, and council of ECC of Lafayette have sought to be faithful to what God is calling us to here as this faith community. I'm thrilled that we have officially launched a housing ministry. I'm thrilled that we have the process started to begin a community development corporation. I'm thrilled that both Megan and Kristen have stepped into roles to ensure that our 5th through 12th graders have a place to grow in their relationship with God and their relationship with others. I'm thrilled that when meeting in our building for small groups and book studies was unsafe, we saw countless people joining on Zoom and in backyards to continue to grow in their spiritual formation. I'm thrilled that women's ministry has to continued to create creative ways for community to be grown and connections to be sought. I'm thrilled to see that ECC of Lafayette is resilient even in the midst of hardship. I have seen the Holy Spirit moving in and through the ministries here at ECC of Lafayette, and I am confident that the Spirit will continue to move in the weeks, months, and years ahead. So as we launch into this three-week series about our core identity markers, I want to give a quick overview of where we are going. You see, in 2019, a group of people from ECC sought to help identify our core identity markers. We all understood our core mission statement to know God, follow Jesus, and pursue God's purposes in the world, but we wanted to communicate even more about our identity here at ECC. Through this process, we identified three concepts that are core to ECC of Lafayette, three words that provide direction and guidance to everything we do. They are welcome, transformation, and presence. Welcome, we are a place of hospitality, grace, and community for all people. Transformation, we provide resources and relationships for the journey from curiosity to Christiformity and presence. We are sent into the world as agents of change and redemption. We refer to these as our ECC touchstones. Everything we do in ministry here at ECC of Lafayette and in our community at large needs to be supporting and living out these core values. The hope is that we would revisit these core values regularly to keep us accountable to who we are and what God has called us to here in Lafayette, Indiana. Today we turn our attention to the touchstone of welcome. I firmly believe that we are called to be a place of hospitality, grace, and community for all people. I believe this and we believe this because of the examples we see in God and in Jesus. I love today's text found in Luke chapter 9. The two verses we read this morning fall right between Jesus sending the disciples out on a ministry journey, and then right after these two verses, we see Jesus feeding more than 5,000 people. Today's two verses helps us to see more deeply into the identity 
of Jesus and what it is that we are called to as Jesus' disciples. You see, there's many instances throughout Scripture where Jesus is welcoming others into a relationship with him. We see it in Mark 10 and Matthew chapter 19, like Pastor Kristen noted, when the parents are bringing their children to Jesus. And the disciples thought that they were too busy, and so they try to stop the parents and the children from coming to Jesus. And Jesus rebukes his disciples, and he said, Let the little children come to me, and do not hinder them, for the kingdom of God belongs to such as these. You see, Jesus welcomes the children to him. We see it in Luke 19 when Jesus joins Zacchaeus in Zacchaeus' home for a meal. We see it in Luke chapter 14 when Jesus heals a man with dropsy at a dinner party. We see it in John chapter 4 when Jesus is in community sharing a drink at the well with a woman. We see it in Mark chapter 2 and Luke chapter 5 when Jesus has dinner with tax collectors and sinners. You see, in many of the instances, the people that Jesus was in community with were not generally accepted by the community at large. The disciples were trying to send the parents and the children away. The community was in shock when Jesus invited himself to dine in Zacchaeus' home. The disciples and the community were in shock to find Jesus in the middle of the day having a drink with a woman at the well. And there was specific attention drawn in countless stories to the sinful nature of Jesus' dinner guest. Yet even with the pushback and the questioning, Jesus continued to welcome everyone. When we enter into a relationship with Jesus, we are agreeing to be like Jesus, to learn from Jesus. When we seek to be Christ-like people, we need to be like Jesus. I can think of no better way to be like Jesus than to seek to follow after Jesus' example. And that's why today's sermon title is simply, Be Like Jesus. I figure as I depart from this congregation into my next call, I want my last teaching and my instruction to be simple and clear. ECC of Lafayette, Be Like Jesus. If you take only one thing from my whole time serving in ministry here, let it be that simple and bold command to be like Jesus. Seek to be more and more like Jesus in all that you do. Today's text in Luke 9 shows us another vantage point of what it looks like for Jesus to be welcoming others in. This story is similar to some of the other stories where there's a little resistance or push back. The disciples have just returned from this mission work that they have been on, and they are tired. They retire with Jesus to a remote city called Bethsaida, a remote city on the northeast corner of the Sea of Galilee, where they hope to rest and recharge from the busy work that they had been doing. Depending on the translation you read, it says, Jesus and the disciples slipped away quietly by themselves to the city. The disciples have been casting out demons and healing people and preaching the kingdom of God. And now it was time for them to be alone, to find some space, and to recharge before the next mission that Jesus sends them on. I'm sure we can all relate to the need at times to retreat and be alone and find rest. Maybe you've worked a really long week and you're hoping to get home, turn off your phone, and turn on your favorite show on Netflix. 
Maybe you've been with your extended family for a long weekend and you just need a little space to regroup, calm your mind. Regardless of the situation, you can probably relate to the disciples' need for some space. Now imagine that you just sat down for a much-needed Netflix binge. Your best friend is sitting next to you and the phone rings. You look at the caller ID and you know the person on the other side of that call really needs to talk to you. But you just sat down from a long day's work. Your friend is encouraging you to, to silence the phone. And if you don't relate to that example, imagine that you just had a really long day at work and you stop at the grocery store on the way home. You have two things on your list that you have to get and you wanna be in and out and be on your way so you can rest at home. You enter an aisle in the store and you see someone down the way that really could use to talk to you but they don't quite see you and so you duck out of that aisle and go down the next one. This is how I imagine the conversation happening between Jesus and the disciples. Verse 11 says, but the, the crowd learned about it. You see, the crowd learned where Jesus and the disciples were, and they followed him. You see, I imagine the disciples trying to figure out how they can lose the crowd so they can find that much-needed rest, much like they tried to deflect the parents and the children away from Jesus earlier. But Jesus does the opposite. It says, Jesus welcomed them. And he spoke to them about the kingdom of God, and he healed those who needed healing. Jesus answers the call. Jesus walks boldly down the aisle in the grocery store to engage in the conversation. Jesus welcomed them. This is what Christ-like welcome is. Even though Jesus is depleted and the disciples are tired from a long ministry journey, Jesus still welcomes everyone to him and he serves them and as we see in the next story he serves them even above and beyond that christ-like welcome means that even when we feel like we don't have any more to give the holy spirit can and will work through us to serve those we welcome in even when we don't feel like we have anything more to give jesus shows us that we can be of service to the kingdom of god now, this is not to say that boundaries are not important, because they are, and Jesus shows us that as well. There are many instances when Jesus goes away to be in solitude and silence, praying with his Father and recharging. We see a number of instances in the Gospels of Luke and Mark. In, in Mark's account of the feeding of the 5,000, immediately after Jesus serves more than 5,000 people, he sends the people away, and he retreats to the mountainside to pray. In Luke 6, before Jesus calls his disciples to him, he went to the hills to pray, and all night he continued to pray to God. Before teaching the disciples to pray in Luke chapter 11, Jesus is in a private place praying. And before Jesus is crucified, he spends extended time praying in the garden. What this shows me is that Jesus seizes ministry opportunities when they present themselves to him. But he also values time alone with the Father in prayer so that he can seize those opportunities and use them to the fullest. So let's pause here and explore the story that comes right before and after these two verses. I started with these two verses because they provide a great framework for understanding what welcome meant to Jesus. 
Jesus consistently made space for those in need. Jesus consistently welcomed people into a relationship with him, regardless of their pedigree and their background, regardless of the negative comments and feedback that he would receive. Jesus understood the inclusive nature of the good news that he was bringing. So we rewind to Luke chapter one, starting Luke chapter nine, starting with verse one. It says, "When Jesus had called the twelve together, he gave them power and authority to drive out demons and to cure diseases." Jesus gave the disciples the power and the authority to do this important kingdom work. This is critical to understand that Jesus is both the source of their power and their authority to do the work that he is calling them to. Jesus is the source of our power and our authority that when we go to serve the kingdom of God, we are given power and authority from Jesus, just like the disciples. When I'm overwhelmed by the mission of the church or the task at hand, I found that I have to hand it over to God and trust that he will provide. Oftentimes we think that everything falls on our shoulders when in fact our shoulders are only able to support the ministry that we've been called to because of the great gifts that Jesus has given us. Jesus gives us the power and authority to further the kingdom. You see, I'm fond of the saying that I've heard in a sermon by Christine Kang. She says, God does not call the qualified. He qualifies the called. Jesus calls us in and then he qualifies us with power and authority to go forth and serve the kingdom and do the task at hand. When I'm overwhelmed by the work of the church or by the task at hand, I found comfort in Philippians 4. When Paul reminds us that we can do all things through Christ who strengthened us. This is a a repeat back to the power and authority that's given to us for the task at hand. This has been a real comfort in my ministry. When Jesus is sending his disciples out in Luke 9, verse 1, he instructs them to drive out demons, to cure diseases, and to proclaim the kingdom of God. But he gives them a caveat for the journey. He says, take nothing with you for the journey. This is simultaneously the most freeing and the most terrifying instruction. Freeing in the sense that they don't have to think about packing for the journey but terrifying because they will have nothing for the journey. When I go on a trip, one of the, my least favorite parts is packing for the trip. And even when I'm done packing, I'm fearful that I haven't packed enough or I didn't pack the right things. So if someone told me pack nothing for the journey, I would be thrilled, assuming that someone's going to provide for my needs on the other side of that journey. Jesus further clarifies these, this caveat with three subpoints. He says, take nothing for the journey, encouraging the disciples to depend on him and to depend on village hospitality. He says, if you enter a home, stay in that home until you leave that village, encouraging them to be content with the provisions that he's made for them, not seeking better provisions by going house to house. And then he tells them how, uh, he warns them of the possibility of rejection, which he himself experienced. He said, "If if someone refuses you hospitality, Dust off your feet and move on. Jesus gave them comprehensive instructions for their ministry journey. So there the disciples went from village to village proclaiming the good news and healing people everywhere. It sounds like their ministry journey was very fruitful. 
their needs were met even though they packed nothing for the journey and the kingdom of God was furthered. Which brings us back to the first two verses. After their journey, they returned to Jesus and you know, report all that they had done on their journey and they retreat with Jesus to Bethsaida to rest and regroup. You see, I have to imagine that Jesus is pretty happy with the ministry journey that just took place. Everything about this mission shows that the disciples were fully dependent upon Jesus and the hospitality of the villages they entered. Everything about this mission shows that their needs were supplied by God. Their authority came from God. There was no personal gain to be sought on behalf of the disciples. I imagine the disciples are pretty happy with the ministry journey that they just went on as well. And I imagine they're feeling blessed at the ways that God showed up and provided richly for their needs. They brought nothing for the journey, yet God provided for their ministry needs, and the kingdom of God was advanced and furthered. This is a great example of how God provides for the ministry and the work of the kingdom. If the sermon stopped here, we would be all set. We have the first lesson, welcome like Jesus welcomed. And the second lesson, God will provide for our needs when we follow after him. In fact, that's the good news for today's sermon. God will provide for all of our needs when we follow after him. God will provide for all of our needs when we follow after him. But I don't want to stop there. I want to quickly go through the next couple of verses as well. The feeding of the 5,000 is a well-known story throughout Scripture. It's found in all four of the Gospels, right here in Luke 9, Matthew 14, Mark 6, and John 6. The fact that it's in all four of the Gospels shows the importance of this ministry event in the life of Jesus. Starting with Luke chapter 9, verse 12. It says, Late in the afternoon... The twelve came to him. They came to Jesus and they said, send the crowd away so they can go to the surrounding villages and the countryside and find food and lodging because, after all, we are in a remote place. Jesus responds, you give them something to eat. They respond back to Jesus, but we only have. And then they list off their limited supplies that they have, just a few loaves of bread and a couple of fish. Jesus doesn't waver in his instruction. Instead, he gives them a clarifying instruction and tells them how to seat the dinner guests for the meal that's going to be provided. Jesus prays over their limited supplies. He blesses them. He gives them back to the disciples to go distribute the food to the masses. The feeding of the 5,000 is more about the life and ministry of Jesus. This event has two goals to accomplish. One, to further identify Jesus and two, to continue to teach the disciples about trust and provision. This miracle is more about teaching the disciples and us about God's provision and Jesus' provision and less about the crowd receiving food. Yes, the crowd did receive food and their needs were met beyond their expectation, but there's no reaction recorded from the crowd about this miracle, which is a good detail showing us that the lesson is more about the disciples learning about Jesus. You see, I love the image of the feeding of the 5,000 because here you have thousands of people on the hillside, an undifferentiated mass of people, some undoubtedly unclean, others clean, some more faithful regarding the law, others less so. Yet Jesus and the disciples open their resources to the crowd. Social barriers between rich and poor, 
native and newcomer are torn down. You see, by receiving these outsiders at the table, they declare, Jesus and the disciples declare, the power of reconciliation to a fragmented society. You see, there's a whole message tied up right in these few verses about the beautiful imagery of opening our tables to the other. A whole message about what welcome can look like. But we already have five strong lessons to learn from this text. If you're a note taker, here is a quick list of the five takeaways from Luke 9. There's, a, there's so many holistic gospel lessons in these 17 verses. We see Jesus sending his disciples out to preach and to teach about the kingdom of God, but also to heal and cast out demons. A lesson showing us that preaching the gospel can never be separated from the care for social and physical needs. We see Jesus instructing the disciples to bring nothing for the journey, yet supplying richly for all of their needs. A lesson showing us that Jesus will supply with abundance, and we and the disciples are vessels bearing that provision. We see Jesus welcoming the crowd into community, even as they try to find rest in a remote village. A lesson showing us that extending welcome gives witness to the power of the gospel to create community. We see Jesus provide food for more than 5,000 people to eat, even if there was only five loaves of bread and two fish. A lesson showing us that the Savior will multiply what little we have many times beyond our expectation. And we see that even after feeding a massive amount of people, there was still baskets and baskets of bread remaining. A lesson showing us that when we extend hospitality to others, we will receive a rich provision from God. These 17 verses in Luke chapter 9 are a great reminder for the church. A great reminder for our church. Just like the disciples, we need to be reminded about God's rich provision. God is faithful to us. God has been faithful to us and God will be faithful to us. God has been faithful to us and he will be faithful to us. We need to be reminded of the ways that God has supplied richly for the needs of our ministries here at ECC of Lafayette. I can think of a number of times in my ministry life where I was concerned about the financial needs of the ministry at hand, where I and the team I was serving with were considering if we should step boldly into the call that God had placed upon us or if we should step back because we didn't have enough. I can remember stepping boldly into those spaces, stepping out in faith and seeing God's provision show up many times greater than we could have ever asked or imagined. I need to be reminded of those times in ministry. I can also think of times when I was more timid and did not step out with the same boldness. I can think of times when I responded to Jesus or the call, but, but I only have like the disciples, and I pray that in times like that, Jesus would nudge us along, showing us the next step like he did the disciples and telling them how to seat the crowd for dinner. You see, God is faithful to us. God has been faithful to us, and God will be faithful to us, church. We need to be reminded of the ways that God has supplied richly for our need time and time again. I believe that God is calling us and has called us to be a welcoming community to all people. 
I believe that God will provide for our needs when we step boldly into that identity. And above all, I believe that we are called to be like Jesus. Let us pray. God, I thank you for the ways that you have provided a perfect example of how to live a life honoring to you and furthering of your mission. I thank you for the ways that the disciples, uh, that we can see ourselves in the disciples when we doubt, Lord, and the ways that you continue to provide even in our times of doubting, Lord. I pray that we would be encouraged as we go from this place to be more and more like you, to serve your kingdom and to be welcoming and hospitable to all people. Be with us now as we continue in worship. Amen.